Ad Speaks Houston is the Eddie Award-winning podcast giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. It's created and produced by Radio Lounge, the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. And today's podcast is underwritten by our friends at Effective. And today's new TV world marketers have more ways than ever to reach their audience and more insights from data with which to do it. Research has shown that building awareness with high-reach campaign strategies is still critical for all advertisers to stay top of mind. Effective has uncovered six key strategies for maximizing reach and campaign success. Check out the Data Builds Brands white paper by visiting effective.com forward slash AAF. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V dot com forward slash AAF. Or you can call Effective at 239-338-7584 if you'd like to learn more. A couple of things to talk about before we get into uh, today's podcast with our good friends at Effective. Uh, Number one, we are actually recording this podcast during the um, AAF Houston Student Conference 2020. This is a, a virtual event. It's called Be the Change. College students from across AAF's 10th district are competing to create the best ad campaign for a client sponsor. And this is a really cool thing. So it's going on uh, here uh, the week of November the 5th uh, through the 7th. And it's always cool. It's always well attended and so well put together. I hope that you had a chance to uh, be a part of that event. If not, go to the American Advertising Federation Houston website, aaf-houston.net, and you can check out uh, what's, what's cooking there as well. Uh, Also, as a member of AAF Houston, what do you mean you're not a member? You need to be a member. You're also a member of a national AAF organization and automatically become a part of a network of talented professionals. And you'll also gain access to so many different tools, resources, and connections you need to move ahead in this industry together. So if you'd like to join, and maybe that shouldn't be a question, When you join, take advantage of some great rates. It is now open enrollment all year round, so you don't have to wait for a certain time to get involved with the American Ad Federation. You can do it right now, today. AAF-Houston.net is the way to go. And, you know, Guido Falcone, Ad to Houston, is such a great organization. If you're a young professional who's 32 or under, Ad to Houston is a talented collective of passionate, Young communication professionals aged 32 and under, composed of project managers, creatives, developers, marketers, content strategists, media buyers, and so much more. It's a fraternity of our advertising brothers and sisters, and it's really, really cool. You'll get a lot out of it. So check that out if you'd like to. It's Add to Houston. Also want to talk about our November webinar coming up here. It is coming up Wednesday, November 18th. We do that at 12 noon. It's a virtual event, and we get really good at doing these virtual events. It's called Power Moves, Blazing a Trail for Women in Sports, featuring Diona Witter, Chief Revenue Officer for the Houston Dynamo. Again, that's Wednesday, November 18th, 12 noon. And you, what you do is you go to the website, you register for the webinar, you get a spot reserved there, and then you join us on the uh, on the 18th of November at 12 noon central for that. Join us to learn about Deona Witter's journey through the sports industry, leading to her current leadership role with the Houston Dynamo. Trials, tribulations, milestones, inequality, opportunities, inspiration. We'll be covering a wide variety of topics that have molded Deona into a power player 
in the sports world. Once again, that's Wednesday, November 18th. And here come the American Advertising Federation Awards, where you can win an Addy. The virtual event is February 18th of 2021. Entries will be accepted December 1st through the 30th. Late entries January 5th. There'll be virtual judging in January. And uh, then we've got the whole production uh, underway for the, again, the 15th of uh, February of 2021. Listen, we may have been locked down with COVID, but that has not stopped the creative potential for the incredible people and agencies here in the Houston market. I know you've got something great to show. Show it for the American Advertising Federation Awards coming up February 18th. Get those entries in beginning December 1st through the 30th. Back in September at the American Advertising Federation in Houston, we had an incredible webinar. We were newbies at webinaring back then, but I think as I'm sure Brenda and Warren will, will chime in, we're getting real, really good at Zooming and webinaring now. But back in September, we had a, a webinar called How Data Builds Brands, and it was very well attended. It was a great webinar. We had Lisa Ahern, Warren, and uh, John Brower uh, as our two folks who were part of that uh, webinar. It was really kind of cool. By the way, uh, today's podcast being underwritten by Effective. Marketers have more ways than ever to reach our audience and more insights from data with which to do it. You can check out Data Builds Brands white, white paper at effective.com slash AAF. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V dot com forward slash AAF. So I have to tell you about the folks that we're uh, talking about uh, today. And um, here in Houston, uh, everybody knows Brenda Love, no doubt about it. Native Houstonian, grew up in the Heights, earned her bachelor's degree in journalism from Sam Houston State. Tried to get a job at Goodwin Down and Baum back in the 70s, and they said no. So she said, oh, the heck with that, I'm going to start my own agency. 79, Brenda created Love Advertising, a startup capital, 500 bucks on the table. Love Advertising has now grown to become one of the largest advertising agencies in Houston, annual billings in excess of 60 mil, an impressive list of local and regional clients, including the long-standing, incredible relationship with uh, Jim McInvale, Mattress Mac at Gallery Furniture, Centerpoint, Phillips 66, YMCA, John Moore Services. And just just to mention a few, so uh, Brenda here is uh, going to join us in just a moment. Warren Fear, currently effective vice president of sales, including markets in Houston, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Warren has been involved in broadcast cable industry over 27 years, holding sales and management positions in radio and television in South Dakota, Alabama, Virginia, and California. Warren got around, just like we all do in this business. And uh, basically, Warren is, is the hands-on leader that leads by example, passionate about his people and his customers. And uh, that sums up both Brenda and Warren very nicely, but we're going to talk a lot, a lot more about that. Hey, guys, welcome to our podcast. I'm so happy that we're able to, to chat with you guys today and to put love advertising and effective together on one stage. This is pretty cool. So welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Pretty good, Ray. How are you? Good for a Monday. Good for a <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't 2020 been a series of Mondays, Warren? I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't know. I think that's a, that's a great way to describe it. Uh, you know, guys, you both have a lot of experience in media and advertising. There's no doubt about that. 
And let me ask Brenda first. Brenda, what would you have told your future self? This digs deep into what we're experiencing here in 2020 before the pandemic hit. I mean, not that we know how to plan for these things, because we don't, we adapt. But uh, what would you have told your future self before the pandemic hit? Well, it's kind of funny, Ray, because as you say, I started the agency 41 years ago, and I started out of my house. So I started working from home, oddly enough. But I think, you know, Houston is so used to business interruption with hurricanes. I think we're better prepared than most people. Just maybe we weren't as prepared to do it for this long. Uh, I probably would have told my future self to be sure that um, we are definitely tech-savvy, up-to-date on all our software, as advanced as we possibly can be, uh, not just for times like this, but for normal times. And I think I would have told my future self to be sure I'm staying active and healthy. You know, exercise, diet, all the things that you hear all the time, but uh, for your sure. for your health and safety now, I think that's more important than ever. And and how you doing, Brenda? Are you doing okay with uh, with things are going? You you seem to have adapted uh, well to uh, what we all have to uh, uh, adapt to. Well, we have, and and you know we're as an ad agency, we're very. We can take our, a computer and work from Starbucks, you know. Yeah. And so, I think that that was an advantage that we probably had over some of the other folks out there that you know needed their brick and mortar more than we did. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 is a fortunate place to be. What about you, Warren? What what would you have told your future self before the pandemic? Well, I think I would have said uh, buy hand sanitizer, toilet paper, and stock in Zoom. But I didn't, and then I would have made sure I got the stuff home from my office since I wasn't going to be there for six months. Oh. Um, but I, uh, the thing I would have done differently is um, I would have spent those. January and February and early March, just going on client calls nonstop because not being able to be face-to-face with clients, yeah, virtual is one thing, phone is one thing, but uh, there's just an exchange of information and trust um, that is different when you're on the phone versus in person, and I miss that um, and have missed that, that interaction. Good answer, Warren. There you go. From an from an agency right. standpoint, uh, and you know, we talk to a lot of agencies around town, and uh, things keep rolling right along. Uh, life keeps happening. One of our messages on our outgoing phone says, "COVID ninety, uh, COVID nineteen can't stop a conversation," and I believe that's so to be true. Uh, that we have things to say, we have things to do, and we need. Uh, I mean, agencies and effective in places like that are probably more important now than they ever were before because people need to know what's going on. Don't you guys agree? Oh, I think people yeah, have for a, sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, they have to have their finger on the pulse quicker and uh, more efficiently. And so hopefully that is what we try to bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you take an expert, like you take Brenda's advertising agency. I mean, they advertisers need experts. They need help, and they need, you know, they're trying to react to business needs. Um, but and and life needs and try to predict the future and then what are consumers doing and their habits. So I think, you know, and of course where we can help too. But having a trusted advisor more important now than ever. 
I'm asking uh, both of you this question as well. What's what is the uh, the generational impact on the year 2020 as it relates to advertising and kind of adjusting in times of uncertainty? I, I know we talked about this a little bit, but let's talk a little bit more about it. The generational impact, uh, Brenda. What about you? Well, I think you know during COVID we've seen a shift of how true generations use media differently. Older generations of people have had to learn more about digital media, you know, from their families. And, and I think they're trying to become more savvy about um, tech and, in an effort to stay connected with their friends and family while they're quarantining. So, you know, we see this with FaceTime and Facebook and everything that's out there. And I think uh, additionally, though, conversely, the data is showing that younger generations are more tuned into TV whether it's OTT or regular TV, just digital media alone is not enough to get them the information that they're looking for. So this is a time when we're all trying to figure out what's going on in the world. I think we're tuning in to as much as we can through as many mediums as we can. And if we're not familiar with them, we're having to become familiar with them. And I think that even shows in you know programming that you're seeing on television is becoming a lot more relevant with shows featuring you know 100% Zoom video to, to put on their, their program, yeah. uh, whether this is everything from Saturday Night Live to, you know, church services. So I think all in all, it's a, a big effort to bring audiences together to try to continue to bring in the ratings during this uh, yeah. tumultuous time. What about you, Warren? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how, you know, generations are formed, and I, I'm guessing this is going to be a post-COVID generation right this could be another mark and it'll be interesting to see how that works out through time um i think fluidity is is a a learning for all of us of of every generation because uh you just can't plan ahead and i don't know what that looks like you know whether that's hey we're we're going to go to salt lake city uh the end of december maybe we are Mm -hmm. you know so you plan, but you can't really plan. And I don't know, as a um, if I was a retailer, if that would affect how I planned. I mean, I think we all have to be fluid. We have to be fluid with our messages and uh, be nimble with our businesses. And and yeah, I think Brenda makes up good points about about consumption of video. You know, people want the flexibility to be able to consume video how they want to consume it, and that's probably you know that's probably accelerated. And I guess the only other thing I would say that I that I've learned myself is, hey, you know what? We we can work, we can do a lot of things virtually. And so, a significant percentage of our staff that was in the office that really is just as productive from home, and um, and they have work that's quantifiable. And so, for them, it's probably less time on the road. And I think that there are a lot of uh, you're seeing it across you know major cities where a lot of these folks maybe don't have to commute in anymore, could theoretically live wherever they want to. And think about that with cars on the road. Um, I think I would, I would think some companies, you know, display outdoor, uh, potentially in radio is going to be impacted somewhat negatively by this, not, not major, but there is, there's going to be some long-term Im- impact if people figure out other ways to work from home, yeah. in my yeah. opinion, anyway. And that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that, uh, frankly, from a in-car listening um, standpoint. But it does add a, a new 
you know, thing to the uh, the formula here. You know, I also know that even though Southwest Airlines has offered me a $149 one-way fare to Hawaii from Houston on a 737-800, I'm not going <laughs> just because it's not a smart idea at this point in time. So everybody's trying. Everybody's scrambling to do something different to try and do uh, to, to bring business back in a different way, albeit. So, guys, how do you see um, how do you see the evolution of what the, the marketing and advertising industry? This is where you pull out your crystal balls, by the way. Will become in the next few months and years. How do you see the evolution of what we are doing here in marketing and advertising in our industry will become in the next few months and years? Brenda, I'll go first with you. Well, I don't think this is necessarily because of COVID. I think it's just in general that. Uh, you know, measurement solutions for clients are going to be required uh, that will include insights for all media channels and not just digital, like the, you know, the DAP programs, the data analytics programs. Right now, it's expensive and not necessarily accessible for some spending levels of clients, but I think that's going to have to change in the coming years. They want answers and they want measurement. That's all we hear. Mm-hmm. I think media uh, will become more automated. Uh, there could be programmatic linear TV, PL TV, that streamlines the manual steps for linear TV buying, and it will become more common and mainstream, I think, in the coming years. I think agencies will be able to buy TV, live TV inventory, and track the campaigns through more of a omni-channel dashboard rather than just looking at you know TV in a silo. Unfortunately, this may be, mean that broadcast buyers uh, are going to have to retool you know, and retrain for the coming this coming uh, yeah. new direction. Yeah. I new. think uh, on demand will only continue. You know, people want it when they want it and how they want it, and and I don't think the younger generation knows any different. I mean, I I've been in the car with some younger people when a radio something came on the radio, and they said, "Wait, what they say?" Like they could rewind it <laughs> and listen to it again. Yeah, I'm like no, but. Um, I think um, for creative, I think definitely inclusion and diversity is only going to grow and be more important as time goes by. And I would say, rounding everything out, uh, all things digital, especially as we've seen during the COVID uh, time, will continue to increase and be part of our lives. I read the other day that we check our phones 96 times a day on average. Oh, my God. I know. I'm going to count mine tomorrow and see if it's really that much. I hope it's not. But I just don't think that, you know, that's going to change anything either. I think I do think it's kind of funny that the younger people in my office, you know, we watch TV. I watch TV. They watch TV. But they don't call it TV. They call it something else. They'll tell you they don't watch TV. And yet we, we both watch and know about the same programs. And I go, so that came... It came across on television. You do realize you are still watching TV. You're just calling it something different. Wow. So, you know, I think that's where we are. That's true. Warren, your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think I can beat that answer. That's pretty comprehensive. Um, I think the, I, I agree with all that. I think that the, the it's all just video now, right, or streaming, right. or you can television, whatever you want to call it. And... Um, you know, we're just marching towards integrating those products and pretty seamlessly. So it's all, 
it's all cost for thousands. It's all about a lifestyle segment. It's not about adult 2554. Talk about something, you know, that's decades in the past. It's about who's your lifestyle segment? How do you want to reach them? How are we going to measure when we reach them? What is the intended consequence um, of that? And that's everything from the actually who actually saw a commercial. Uh, and, of course, that would be on any device. And then did they act? And we're getting closer and closer to that. I They actually saw the commercial, and then they, to the point of purchase, like we're connecting those dots closer and closer uh, every day. And then I think the other thing that's, that's interesting is there's been a trend in the industry of people saying, oh, I just want the, I just want the people that are in the bottom of the funnel ready to buy. And I think people are realizing, and it's, I, think, I think automotive dealers are a good example of this, that... By the time they get to the bottom of the funnel, they've already decided where they're going to buy. So that sort of, um, I need to build a relationship with my customers. Um, as an advertiser, I need to build a relationship with my customers before they ever get down to the bottom of the funnel, before they go to the web and start searching my name out or, or um, probably typing it right into the URL you know, of their phone. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, and, uh, and you know how pendulum swings, and it swung way to that and nothing about branding or message. And I love that Brendan man, man mentioned that um, there is a reach mechanism uh, called television, and television is, you know, could be linear, could be digital, but it's, there's a reach mechanism there that is probably still unparalleled. And so I think Definitely. I think that future bodes, bodes well for us. But, it's, yeah, it's all about data and measurability. You know, let's go back to uh, let's go back to March um, when all of this was uh, happening, starting to happen, and uh, I'm sure, from both of your standpoints, both at Effective and at Love Advertising, you had people coming and asking you questions about what's this all about, and what should I do, and uh, and uh, I know uh, as established uh, agency Love Advertising and as established marketing platform. Um, for you, Warren, as well, people will come to you for response and direction and such like that. So, what did we what did we talk about back in March, and then dial us into later in the spring, in the summer, and right now? What is that conversation? So, to start us in March, take us through the summer, and talk about the conversation that's going on right now as it relates to marketing and advertising. I would assume. There are a lot of people who are a little bit not sure about what to, what the next move is. So, uh, Warren or Brenda, uh, go ahead and take that question, please. I feel like that uh, in March there was a period of reaction, and um, uh, people that started running creative, not the generic creative of we stand with you, blah, 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 because that got old really fast. Everybody yeah. started running the same thing. Um, but creative that address specifically like here's what we're doing um to make sure your customer experience is safe whether that be you know cleaning our cars or whether that be um touch touchless delivery or whether that whatever that might be because we a b tested a lot of those ads for our clients because we can do that and showed results and those ads that addressed it specifically in the right way got better traction but then it's kind of it kind of moved on you know, we're not really in that. There's still there's still that need, but we're getting back more to business as normal. 
So I think being nimble with creative and um, the other thing that was funny is we couldn't actually shoot. Um, we couldn't have personnel out there shooting. Right. It was amazing what we could do with uh, stock footage and visuals where we didn't actually, you know, go out and, and do an on-site shoot. And I think people's eyes were open. It's like, wow, I can, I can be nimble with my creative at a reasonable cost and and react to the moving marketplace and not have to uh, spend an arm and a leg re- and months redoing creative. So I think that was kind of a nice little learning for a lot of us. Sure. But really being able to have have somebody that strategically could adjust creative to the right time. I mean, as you, Brenda, has mentioned earlier, also we had the George Floyd situation. So how to address that appropriately uh, was another big um thing to think about strategically from a from a business and how are we going to support uh how are we going to support our people of color and um yeah that was a big that was a big factor too so right now where we are i feel like we're a little more towards you know normal-ish so uh i'll flip it over to brenda what do you think normal-ish i like that i have to write that down normal-ish yeah normal-ish <laughs> well you know in march i got calls that said Cancel all my media. Hmm. I mean, we handle the rodeo, so that was one that had to go bye-bye. Yeah. Um, others, you know, were a little not quite as nervous, but certainly the media buys all changed. And we reached out to all of our uh, station partners, quite frankly, and put our thinking caps on and made great offers and re. Tooled. I mean, they had inventory to sell, and people were canceling right and left. And we we became buyers instead of cancelers, and that's what what we encouraged our clients to do. And they did so, I think, very very cost effectively. And I've always said, if you go back, I mean, if you go nine eleven and way back when, all the times when disasters happened, those that stayed the course when things turned back around were so much further ahead of all those people that cut and lost that momentum. And I just jump in there. You can statistically prove that, uh, and we have, uh, through all the downturns. And this one, I mean, we can show you Houston numbers that are going to – Brenda's advertisers have stayed on are way, way ahead on a brand awareness perspective now. Absolutely. And so – and we have. We've had to make this case over the last four years numerous times. You know, you can can stay in there, maybe at a lesser rate even, save money and – be so far ahead of your competition when things turn around, they can't catch back up because they can't. They don't come back on where they left off. Right. So that well, that was part of it. Uh, I think the stations were big partners with us in that, and we really appreciate all their help. iHeart certainly certainly was there. Eddie Martini made a lot of great things happen. Yeah. Uh, I do think that we became more reactive than proactive. You know, to this what's happening right now, but in some ways it's been better. We have uh, Perry's. Uh, Restaurants are our clients, and this was a client that, you know, held back a little bit on the digital evolution of their business, but this forced them to think about, not only think about it, but to accept it. I think they're a pretty good case study, and all restaurants are pretty much. I mean, this is an an industry that was, um, you know, they used paper menus and no online ordering, and they didn't do delivery. And we helped them pivot to a digital QR code and menus, saving them money and printing costs, and Online ordering, curbside pickup, spinning up land, land landing pages that were dedicated to ordering their food for delivery or pickup, 
So, you know, that's a whole new way. I'm not sure restaurants will ever print menus again. Why would they? What an expense when they could tell people that have gotten used to using their cell phones to capture the little QR code and open the menu. Good so point. in some respect, yeah. <clears throat> we've had some clients that have totally changed a lot of the way that they do business. Even if the restaurant gets full again, which we hope, you know, they'll be back to 100% capacity soon, why wouldn't they still do curbside if they, it just is an expansion of their business. Yeah. So I think that for some people, uh, it was how are we going to do business differently? And in some cases, I think that that uh, will find new ways of doing business that will stay. Man, I, I love that attitude, Brenda. Of course, you always had that attitude. It's like, let's figure out a way to make this work, and let's make it work, and let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to uh, Madison Avenue of the 60s and such. Uh, when agencies, uh, many agencies back then, it was smoke and mirrors, basically, and obviously that never worked and never should have worked, uh, but it's not the way things are right now. And for, uh, for 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 you, Warren, um, with effective, um, let's talk about data. Data. What does good data look like, and how is effective using that uh, with your application, Warren? Yeah, is it data or data? First, can you answer that question? Because that's uh-huh. really the burning question. Well, if you're a Star <laughs> Trek, if you're a Star Trek fan, it would be data. So let's go. Let's go with that, man. Okay, let's go. With that. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, Spock. Uh, so I think the key here is that there, everybody has a form of data that they can trot out and say that it is um, real. And it's sort of, it's based on a true story, right? It's just how real is it? And so what I, what I think is, can you get actual data versus model data? Can you get first-party data? But we've got that first-party data that you can then combine with third-party data, say, the bulk data, for instance, for registration or, or other, uh, <clears throat> other data, financial data, et cetera. Um, that is a deadly combination. And uh, if we can use that to really be predictive with, with how people are going to use our product and to try to reach the right people with the relevant message. And then, of course, it should translate into activity. Activity, um, well, we've got a couple of products, but you can do just, you know, looking at Google Analytics analysis, you should be able to see activity on your website. And then you should also be able to see when somebody runs an, runs an ad, you should be able to see immediate, some sort of immediate activity to your website from the bottom of the funnel as well. So that's how we quantify it. And I think that that unique viewer in the future is we can say, yeah, this viewer, well, they saw your ad on a television commercial, and then they then they were on this website, and then they saw another ad, and then they saw another ad uh, some other way up on, uh, on demand. And now they translated into purchase because they engaged with your product. That, to me, is where, that's where, that's where it should go, and that's where, that's where it needs to go. And obviously, your clients with Effective are, are using that uh, data data uh, on a regular yep. basis to quantify that. And Brenda, the same thing goes for you. I, I would assume, and I know, uh, what have you done uh, for me today that is going to move the needle? And obviously, you use uh, smart strategies and, and good data uh, on your end as well. Would you, would you agree with that? 
well, you know, other than my rent and my payroll, I spend more money on data than anything else in research. No. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I believe it. So, ouch. But uh, I looked at when Nielsen found a way to get from going to quarterly reports to monthly reports so we could pay them monthly. Oh, good. Um, but, you know, I think big data became such a buzzword word that it turned into a dirty word. It was associated with big money. You know, it cost a lot to get that data, as I just said. So I would argue that uh, good data is data that already exists or is historical enough to determine some good trends and making sure that everybody understands the background and the true story behind why a metric makes sense or a difference, not just relying on a vanity metric. You know, we need to make sure that we're using our insights and intuition to determine success, not just this raw data that's tons and tons and tons of it. You know, we used to just jump up and down and measure all these people that shared something, right, on social. Now it's not enough. They have to, I mean, I'm sorry, that they liked something. Now liking is not enough. They have to share it. And if they share it and somebody saw that and then, now, all of a sudden, we can make a judgment about that pers- person and um, what content they liked or shared or what difference did it make and, and turn it into a true insight. Yeah. But I think, I think basically most clients realize that uh, now data is only valuable if we can act on it. Yeah. Nobody wants analytics. They want business insights that, that are delivered from the analytics. They want to make a difference. And what yeah. the cash register to ring. Right. So how does that data turn into money? Yeah. That's a big question. It's a great question, and it's one that should be asked. There's no doubt about that. And it's a logical mm-hmm. and legitimate question, too. I think of both. I know the answer to this question, but I want to ask it anyway. Is creative more nimble now uh, that you have to make so many changes? Uh, would you, wouldn't you both agree that, yeah, always has been, always been there, where this is nothing new? That's why we do what we do. Brenda, what are your thoughts on that question? Well, I think, you know, with a client like Mattress Mac, we have to be very nimble because we change commercials weekly. So I think we've very much always been nimble. But um, the difference is how we create this. And during COVID, it became a lot, a lot different. We were able to do this from our own homes, right? But there's no substitute for being in the same room together and building on ideas and sharing each other's energy. Uh, so slowly but surely, we're getting them back in the office. Uh, I will say that it did accelerate our communication uh, with FaceTime and text. Uh, email certainly felt old and inefficient. You know, I mean, we literally had some of our creatives, a la Don Draper Madman, turning over their creative brief and taking their pen and sketching out something and holding it up for the camera for all of us to see. That's cool. So, um, but, you know, if we don't continue and keep our clients' work exciting and, and communication relevant, we're not doing our jobs. I mean, that's just, you know, I think basic what we need to be doing. Um, I, I agree with Warren that messages that came out early on about uh, during these uncertain times, we're here for you, that got old. It got old really fast. And so, you know, with more and more people, Consuming more and more content, it's incredibly important to surprise people and say something new. Otherwise, you just get lost in the noise, and there's a lot of it out there. So we always stress here at Love that people aren't waiting around to see your ad. 
you know, it's an interruption in their program or in their drive uh, in their car. So, you know, that's a privilege that you get, and you better make it count, make them laugh, make them feel something, anything, or you're just wasting their time. Very good. Well said. What about you, Warren? Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier about <clears throat> about nimbleness of creative, and I think, uh, you know, I've always had this theory, I would always say it, maybe I didn't have a stat to back it up, but uh, half of the value of any campaign is the creative. And then somebody uh, actually researched it, and it's 47%. So I guess I was I was exaggerating by 3%, so I just want to apologize to everybody. More that. data. like that. Uh, Good. Thank you very much for that statement, Warren. We appreciate that. Well, it's so true, though. I mean, you can have, run a high-reach, high-impact campaign, but if the creative isn't there, it's not going to go anywhere. What were you going to say, Brenda? Totally. I have one more thing to add. Uh, this week, last week, actually, and today, we were actually able, with something called vi- Virtual Video Village Software, to run an entire three, four-day video production for Philip 66 uh, from their offices. They, the clients were not on set. We, most mm-hmm. of our, our team was not on set but just the necessary people. But we were able to see and hear everything that was going on and the need for travel for us and for them was gone. And it it was just amazing what we were able to accomplish. I mean, it was just like you were on the set with your own physical monitor. That's amazing. Wow. Okay. Awesome. And so, you know, I think in the future, talk about being nimble and quick and cutting down on cost and ease and so forth. It was was pretty... That's that is so cool. You know, I, I don't know whether you guys have experienced this watching television now, but you'll see a commercial come on and the people aren't wearing masks, and we're going, wait a minute, wait, oh, this is a TV ad. Okay, uh, I'm confused. <laughs> well, and guess what, yeah. Ray? That's a good question. As we're filming ads, we're having ask clients doing someone with mask on, or mask off, yeah. mask on, mask off, or maybe we're doing it both ways. Yeah. By the way, I want to credit uh, L Films the production company we used that uh, had this new uh, tool, that virtual video village software. It was just really incredible, and they did a great job. Man, that's cool. They about froze to death in Oklahoma when we were shooting it, but uh, (laughs) otherwise. Speaking of Phillips uh, 66, you guys, uh, actually, at uh, the the, uh, last year's Addy, well, this past year's Addy Awards, you won the... uh, uh, the best of show interactive with Phillips. You won so many other awards during that lovely evening, and it was a fun evening, as well as walking away with the silver medal award honoree, Brenda. What a well deserved uh, uh, acknowledgement of what you've done in this oh, community well, for so long. So I can, think, you know, I think if you live long enough, they have to give it to you. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda, that is not if as a board member of long enough. Yeah, I guess you deserve it if you're still standing, huh? If you're still, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's not true. Come on, come on. <laughs> as as a board member, I know that's not true. Okay, it's just the way it is. So now, you know, I love the I fact. I had a sales manager, or I had a general manager in when I was uh, at the TV station in Alabama, and I came, I blew out my budget one year, and I came in, and he said, man, you really, you and your team really did a great job blowing out that budget. And I said, you know what? I mean, you know, it was a good year, and we had such, so much teamwork, and this person did well, and, and, you know, and we had a lot of help. He's like, hold on, just stop a minute. When you win an award like that, 
you go ahead and say thank you and you take the credit because when you when things are down, you're going to get all the credit for it being bad. So congratulations, Brenda. Well, you deserved you. it. <laughs> Let's do it again this year. You want to do it again? That's fine. Not a problem. Uh, we can arrange for that. You know, at your office, Brenda, I see that you have a garden there. Is that something that yeah. – t- tell me about that. That's kind of cool. Well, <laughs> we formed a little garden club here because we have two and a half acres of property. We bought over in the Heights uh, about three years ago a warehouse factory situation and remodeled it for the ad agency. So I, we don't have to get on the elevator, so we can just walk right indoors as we continue business during COVID. But it has nice property, and so I thought it'd be fun to have a garden. Yeah. And they formed a garden club, and everybody's all excited about what we're going to plant. We got out there and got it all planted and all built and done, and COVID hit, and they all went home. <laughs> So I became a gardener. Wow. Wow. What, and, you, what uh, are you growing so in your garden? Fun. What are you growing there? Well, they're back. So they're back to help me. We're going to increase it. We have grown eggplants and green beans and lots of basil and arugula and tomatoes. And now we have giant okra. And, uh, I mean, it's just been a lot. We're getting ready to plant lettuce and all those kind of great things. Onions, That's things so good. Cool. But, yeah. And so they... You know, the idea was to plant stuff that they could enjoy and take home and get into having something fun to do at lunchtime when they sit out on the patio. And they can eat it for lunch. Oh, man, that is so cool. You know, Cornelius has a thing that they, they call it plant a victory garden because, you, as you recall, right. uh, well, you won't recall because you guys are way too young for this, but, uh, you know, World War II was uh, victory garden time, people doing that. But when I saw that, I, th- I saw that on your Facebook. I thought, that's pretty cool, a raised garden well, at the agency. Yeah, my dad. We always had a garden, so that's kind of where I got it from. I forgot cucumbers. We had massive cucumbers and big ones. One cucumber would make uh, would pickle a whole. You could make a whole jar of pickles out of it. It was it was a lot of fun. So yeah, everybody should try it. Love advertising and farmers market on the weekend. Yeah. There you go. I like that. <laughs> so if Warren, I asked you for more uh, more cowbell, you would know what I'm talking about because you obviously play bass. In this band that's on YouTube, because you cannot hide from social media, Warren. Uh, Warren Fear is a bass player. What's the name of the band? Uh, that band was called Root Awakening. That was one of many uh, groups that I was in, but that's one that's still going. And uh, I left South Dakota a long time ago, but the, the band keeps on grooving. And I love the no, I love the more cowbell skit. That's just classic. <laughs> It's so true. You guys, you know what the, the best part of today's conversation is? We're all laughing, smiling, and it, the atmosphere is still upbeat. And that's what it takes to move through what we're going through. Wouldn't you both agree about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I would tell you, you know, the, the saddest part about all this, what was it? I think it's FDR said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And mm. I think this COVID has instilled so much fear and especially in the younger generation there, you know, when I'm trying to entice them to get back into the office and we're testing and we're doing all these great things, keep things clean and safe, but, you know, they're still, they're scared. And I think that that's been the really sad part. So, you know, I think the older people are a little more <laughs> not so afraid. Yeah. Maybe we've seen a lot of scary things in our lives. I don't know. But, yes. What about what about you, Warren? Yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely attitude. I, you know, it's, and businesses, you know, out there have to make the decision that they're either going to be, they're going to figure out how to work in this 
in this uh, new economy, or they've got to just close up shop. I mean, there's really no in between now, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. tough to it's tough to make those decisions. I do don't I do not envy those folks. Um, but there's a lot of people that are doing really well in this economy as well, and they've figured out you know they've uh, pivoted to figure out where where demand is. And then how do I reach my, you know, how do I reach my customers in this, in this new world? And, and yeah, we got to do the same thing, um, you know, in our lives too. It's like, okay, this is, I didn't think I was going to be working from home for the last six months, but there are some good things about that. I get to walk my dogs at lunch and I've got a desk set up outside for when the weather is cooperative and, and I don't have to drive 45 minutes each way to work. So what do I do with that extra time? You know, so there's, there are some, there are some silver linings on the cloud too. And I think to remember what we, I miss my people at the office and I love, you know, just walking in and having these, these organic conversations, which are the best, but boy, that grind every, every day back and forth, um, I, I don't miss that at all. So it's all in how you look at it. Yeah. yeah. You don't Warren, but I think the first thing you said was one of the best things you said all day. And, and, and it ties to what I'm a big believer in that this is a relationship business and you wish you would have called on more clients earlier on. And it's hard when you're trying to maintain those relationships by phone. Most of my clients, a lot of my clients we're seeing, you know, they're okay. You go out to see mm-hmm. Mattress Mac, you know, eight feet distance, not six, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, several of our others, but, we're having to, to train our people, especially our account service people. You don't just email, don't just text. Get on the phone at least and talk to people. And I think that the relationship side for the younger generation is improved because they like to Zoom and they will Zoom. So they're seeing each other more now in some respect, our younger clients with our younger people here, than they were mm-hmm. before. Wow. I'll get in the car and drive over there. They'll Zoom now. Before wow. they would just maybe text me email. So. Uh, I do think that the relationship side of business has suffered in some respects, but maybe there's a silver lining, like you said, that that the um, what video can do. So, yeah. mm. I think very true. I think yeah, we don't know what we don't know what tomorrow will bring, but but going into tomorrow with uh, an attitude that both of you have will certainly help it. Uh, uh, come a little bit easier and uh, be a little bit uh, better. And obviously, you're both uh, nimble as we talked. Uh, but the best thing I like is we have smiles on our faces. This is a good thing between love advertising and effective. Uh, our few, we're going to be okay here, folks. We're going to be okay. And because of people like Brenda and Warren, uh, we, uh, we, we're going to do it. So, guys, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy day, whether you're working outdoors, indoors, in the garden, uh, or wherever. Thanks, uh, thanks again for being a part of the podcast today. You're welcome, Mike. Yeah, it was it was my pleasure. It was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. It's gonna it's it's gonna be great. It'll look a little different than we anticipated nine or ten months ago, but it's gonna be great nonetheless. Sure, hope you enjoyed the conversation today with Warren and with Brenda. Today's podcast, underwritten by Effective, marketers have more ways than ever to reach their audience, more insights from data with which to do it. Check out the Data Builds Brands white paper at effective.com slash AAF. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V dot com forward slash AAF. 
This is Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. You can find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. Your rating on iTunes will also help us grow. And don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. We also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. Check out Ad Tension, the podcast for District 10. Until next time, thanks for listening. Be safe. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2020. I'm Ray Shillens.